Hi friends, welcome to another episode of We're Going There. And this particular week, we are doing something different. We are mixing it up, we are flipping the script, and this entire week is dedicated to discussing the who, the how, the why, the when of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the entire series is entitled Understand the Holy Spirit because if you missed uh, day one or day two, go back and listen because we are just building upon some of these key principles that we've been holding on to and why the Holy Spirit really can change our life. I've, I firmly believe that this is super important. And I, today I want to talk about why we can trust the promise of Jesus and the presence of his spirit. Now, if you know me, I make no qualms or excuses. This whole series has a lot of scripture because I'm not just someone who likes to preach, which is proclaim Jesus. At my core, I want to teach, which is explain Jesus and how the teaching of Jesus apply to our life. So if you're a note taker, I want us to understand this concept. Jesus fulfilled prophecy, gave us a promise and empowered us to change the world. Okay. I'm going to say that again. Jesus fulfilled prophecy, gave us a promise, and empowered us to change the world. I'm going to pause for a second and just acknowledge that there are some people that are sharing this on social media. I'm so glad that you're enjoying this. I hope you love it as much as I do. Honestly, I said this before. I'm going to say this again. I cannot help when I look back at the course of my life that this was one concept, especially within Christianity, that absolutely changed my life. So I want to back this up with a little bit of scripture. Um, pull out your Bible or your iPhone and or type it into your laptop, wherever you're doing this, or you can just listen. But in Acts chapter two, that's what we're going to kind of unpack. It's just a few verses, but I've entitled our time together for this podcast, The Power That You Possess. Okay, Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. If you do have your Bible out, I want you to circle that word one, okay? We're diving right into a controversial word and a controversial topic. Some people right now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, they get all tight bootied and afraid, like something's gonna happen. And other people are getting excited. They're out polishing their shofar and their praise banners and they're about to do a lap of honor. Now, before anyone has any preconceived notions, let me just break this down in a way that we can all understand. So, I'm from the United States of America, and in the U.S., we have major holidays. Our major holidays are, you know, Fourth of July, Thanksgiving, Christmas. These are something that people from the United States would be very familiar with. Well, in Jewish culture, the Jewish calendar had major holidays as well. Here's the problem. Jewish people understand these holidays, but we don't understand them because they're not our holidays. So I'm going to help us understand these holidays so that you can understand how the Bible was written, and then you're going to see the beauty that God has not just for his people from yesteryear or even yesterday, but for today. Now, in fact, I'll show you. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, 17, don't turn there, just listen, take note. Jesus said this, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Basically, he's saying, I didn't come to do away with the Old Testament. I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. There are prophecies upon prophecies about one who would come, who would bind up the brokenhearted and bring sight to the blind and freedom to the prisoner. And the prophet said that he would come, breathe in new life into those who felt dead, that, that in our generation, that we would see dreams and have visions and people would be healed. Guess what? Jesus was the fulfillment of that. So let's talk about this word fulfillment, okay? Because I know some of y'all are tripping out and you're like, ah, uh, I don't get it. Hold on. Let's make this plain. When you order something from Amazon and it's dropped at your door, the order has been fulfilled. So when Jesus came into the world, he fulfilled prophecy. He showed up like, yo, I'm here. 
Now, for us to understand Jewish holiday of Pentecost that we just read about in Acts chapter 2, we need to study the Jewish holiday of Passover. And because you guys know that I am 1% Jew, I am Jewish, let's make this really simple. Passover was a celebration that was remembered every year. This was a celebration that they were freed from slavery um, as in an angel came over and for those that did not have blood on the doorpost of their house, the eldest child would die. This holiday symbolized their freedom from slavery. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, God wanted them to remember it and celebrate it. In fact, even to this day in 2021, Jewish people take a lamb and sacrifice a lamb at 9 a.m. and put it in the oven at 3 p.m. This lamb symbolizes that their sins were passed over and their lives were saved. Jesus said, I didn't come to ruin your celebration. I'm the fulfillment of your celebration. What was done in the Old Testament, people being freed out of slavery. Guess what? Today we are free out of spiritual slavery. It wasn't the blood of a lamb. It was the blood of the lamb, Jesus, that covered our sin. Now, let me geek out for a second. On Passover holiday, Jesus was taken at 9 a.m., on a day that we know and celebrate as Good Friday. And they hung him on a cross at 9 a.m. Nails pierced his hands. A nail pierced his feet. A crown of thorns was placed in his head and a spear pierced his side at 9 a.m. Do you know what time he died and was taken off the cross and placed in the tomb? Friends, I hope you said 3 p.m. Yes, you would be right. This is why Paul the Apostle refers to in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he refers to Jesus as a Passover lamb who is sacrificed for our sins. But Jesus didn't come to pass over and cover our sins. No, it's better. Jesus came to remove our sins. Okay, so that's the first holiday. That's Passover. The second holiday we need to discuss is Pentecost. Nobody get freaked out because I said the word Pentecost. Some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Is someone going to speak in tongues? No. Okay. No, 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 no. People sometimes ask me like, oh, are you Pentecostal? Well, let's take a look at that word Pentecost and maybe we all will have the right answer. The word Pente represents and means five. So Pentecost means 50. Now, there, I grew up and anytime that someone had mentioned, you know, maybe more charismatic or spirit-filled or Pentecostal churches, people were like, don't go and hang out with those Pentecostal people because they're crazy. But do you guys understand the definition of Pentecost just means 50? It's a Jewish holiday. It's a day of remembrance. Again, I live here in the United States and we have a day called Memorial Day. And that's where we remember those who sacrificed their lives for our freedom. So the Hebrew people remember this day, Pentecost, because it was 50 days after Passover. Okay, is this making sense, guys? Okay, 50 days, Pente, Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. We just discussed what Passover was. Now, let's make it about Jesus. So let me read Acts chapter 1, verse 3 over us, and it's going to make some sense, okay? So Acts chapter 1, 3 says this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay, so Acts starts off with a continuation of Jesus's resurrection. So right after the end of Luke, the end of the book of Luke, just he continues on straight up into the book of Acts. And it actually is chronological because it, it ends and 40 days later, Jesus pops into a room in front of Doubting Thomas. And he's like, hey, Tommy boy, come check out my scars. Check out the crown of thorns that was pushed into my head. Yeah, Jesus is not just revealing himself to tens. No, he's revealing himself to hundreds of people. And that's what scripture says. So many convincing truths. That verse that we just read out of verse three. Okay, now check out verse four of Acts chapter one. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, circle wait, for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Okay, so 10 days later, come on mathematicians, let's do the math. Jesus revealed himself 40 days later and then scripture says 10 days later. So 40 plus 10 is 50. Good job, Bible scholars. Well, that's 50. What holiday represents 50? Ha ha, Pentecost. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They were waiting for the promise. Peter, scripture tells us, is so filled with the spirit that he preaches one of the greatest messages in church history. And 3,000, yes, you heard me correct. 3,000 came to believe. Now that you know that context, so it's important that you know those Jewish holidays. Why? Because it's going to make Acts 2 make sense. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, the one who prophesied to come, Jesus, yep, he's now here. Okay, let's pick this up in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Question I'm asking today, friends, why does Pentecost matter? <laughs> the one who was prophesied as the one to change the world came and it was Jesus. Jesus made a promise that he will do the same things that he did and greater because we are commissioned to change the world. And lastly, the promise came with power. So the one who came was prophesied. Jesus came and made a promise and the promise came with power. Let's pick this up in verse five. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. They were shook because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and the comforts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? So sometimes we can get a definition by understanding a word by defining it. And sometimes we get a definition by understanding what the word is not. Okay, so what is Pentecost not? Pentecost is not about hanging from chandeliers. It's not about crazy church services. It's not about people putting hands on people and forcing them to fall over. Pentecost is about us becoming empowered to change the world. For the Jews, it was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. For me in California, it's California, then the nation and the globe. I know that there's people listening to this podcast from around the world. Where is your area? Where does God want to release power in your life? See, Pentecost isn't a denomination. Pentecost is an event. The church was birthed and empowered to, like Jesus said, go to all the ends of the world. Pentecost proves that God's people, that we have power from heaven that is given to every man, woman, and child. And I firmly believe that God wants to use every man, woman, and child to reach every man, woman, and child. In the text that we're about to read and go through, we will see linguistic, ethnic, cultural, and national barriers were overcome by the power of the Spirit of God. So we read in verse 5, we were told that there was people from all sorts of nations that were there. And then, look at verse 7 again, utterly amazed, they asked, 
aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? So they're saying, hold up. Aren't these some seaside country folk? These are people from that fishing community. How do they know all these languages? Well, in verse nine, we read that there are people groups that are all from different regions, Judea, Cappadocia, Asia. Then it goes transatlantically. In verse 10, that there's people from Rome. But this is where it gets crazy. Real, real, real crazy. Verse 11, this is my favorite. We can't really talk about this sometimes when we preach because then people get all up in their feelings. But literally, let's like break this down. Scripture includes Cretan and Arabs. Cretans and Arabs. Now we can read Cretans be like, yeah, man, whatever. But we have to understand cultural context. Cretans during this time, oh my God, they had a bad rap. They were known for being lazy, liars, and thugs. If you don't believe me, cross-check me, Titus 1.8, okay? Just check out what it says there, okay? So not only are Cretans listed and they're like kind of like low down dirty thugs, but it says Cretans and Arabs. Why? Because they hated each other. If you're into American history, this is like the Battle of the Hatfields and McCoys. If you're into musical theater, this is the Sharks and the Jets. If you're into literature, it's the Capulets and Montagues. If you are into urban gang warfare, it's the Bloods and the Crips. If you're into hip-hop battles, it's Tupac versus Biggie, Drake versus Meek Mill, Nicki Minaj versus Cardi B, okay? Cretans and Arabs hated each other. Oh, <laughs> yes. And yet we find them where? In the same room and scripture says that they were in one accord what is that that's unity they are speaking each other's languages they're praising god it's a whole vibe in Acts chapter 2 so what do we see happen in Acts chapter 2 when the spirit of god falls these four things unity prosperity equality supernaturally yes i like to make them rhyme okay so in Acts chapter 2, verses 42, all the way down to 47, we're not going to read it here. I want you to read it on your own. We see something crazy happen. I mean, they began to break bread together. They began to pray together. They began to do life together. And there were many signs and wonders that were performed. And they had things in common with each other. In fact, they began to help and support each other. They sold their property. And, 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 and God was doing something amazing. Not only was he blessing them, they were growing. They were growing. So the first thing I want to know is unity. So people from different backgrounds all join together. Now, I can't help but make this practical for us today. At our church, the Father's House, Orange County, you know what I love? <laughs> you Honest to God, honest to God. I go into the living room after virtually every service, every Sunday, and I love seeing so many different ethnicities. Y'all, I'm talking about light and dark and short and tall. I'm, I'm, talk I'm talking about people from different backgrounds, and I am like, Lord, where did all these people come from? I remember a few weeks ago, walking into the living room and being introduced to somebody who didn't speak English. They came with their loved ones and though they didn't understand English, they communicated that they loved the, the feeling that they were there. They loved the feeling that they received when they were there, when they were worshiping or other people were talking. They were so into the message and yet they didn't understand what was being said. Let me tell you something. When the spirit of God is there, people are unified, whether you understand the language that they're speaking or not. We see in verse 45, so first one's unity. Second thing we see is prosperity. Wealthy people gave from their resources to those in need. We read that in verse 45. And, and you know what amazes me? I love when I see God's people supporting God's people. But you know what really amazes me? When God's people are supporting people that don't even believe in God. 
I mean, again, I, my only reference right now in this season of life is the Father's House, the church that we lead. I love seeing people donate cars to single moms, paying off hospital bills. I mean, I heard of a story that a guy was trying to finish his senior year of college and couldn't afford his last semester of payment. And guess what? His tuition was paid in full. Man, God begins to bring prosperity to the people of God. And sometimes it comes through miracle and sometimes it comes through the hand of man. And you know what I love? Our generosity can impact not just people's lives, it could impact our environments. So unity, prosperity. The third one is equality. We read this in the, in the beginning of Acts chapter two, that they were sitting in one room and the spirit came upon them. And then in verse four, we are told that, the, that all of them were filled with the spirit of God. Man, woman, Jew, Gentile, slave, free. Yes, the spirit of the Lord came upon them. To explain this, uh, Peter in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, he explains this prophecy that is fulfilled out of an Old Testament prophet by the name of Joel. He quotes him. And he's basically saying, yo, what Joel said in Joel 2, 28 and 29, we are living in it. In his version, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. The Greek word for all is all. You're welcome. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, in social structures and hierarchies during that world, this was absolutely unheard of. During that day, it was a patriarchal structure where men were the only ones that had a voice in society. And yet here we see that now both men and women would prophesy under the power of the same spirit. During that time, elders had the power and authority. Now, both young and old would lead. During that time, social sanctions on slavery would place people in a hierarchy. I'm better than you. You're lower than me. Well, now the spirit of God is unifying slave and free, making the spirit of God equal for everyone. The spirit of God was given to us with power to disrupt the status quo. I'll never forget a few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to meet a young man by the name of Lenny. Lenny was an inmate in our Norco prison campus for the Father's House Orange County second campus that we launched back in 2019. And he was serving time in jail. Well, he was part of our community there. And upon his release, he was sent back up home to Northern California, but he was still part of the church. And in fact, he still watches our services online. A couple weeks ago, Lenny decided to drive down to Southern California. Guess what, fam? He is still serving Jesus. He is still part of this house. And guess what? He is engaged. And he asked Matt and I to do the reception of marrying them. I mean, I'm just so incredibly excited about what God is doing and how unity and equality and prosperity has made things possible for a friend like Lenny. You know what makes an ex-con? and an inmate equal with some of our bougie Orange County people from our church, the power of the spirit of God. And lastly, which we'll unpack over the next three days is this last one, supernaturally. I want to read verse 43 out of Acts chapter two, because it said everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The power we possess as a people of God should transform the planet. Scripture says that many signs and wonders occurred. You know what that is? That's miracles. Miracles are a sign that the power of God resided in them. And you know what is a sign to unbelievers that God is active and alive and real today? Miracles. Yeah. I know this sounds crazy. I know it might sound old school, but I really don't care. I don't believe that people are coming to church because they want to be entertained or they want to laugh or 
I'm going to go as far as saying, I don't think they're going to church just to feel better about themselves. I don't think that people come to our church for our green tea matchas or cold brew, even though it's amazing. I don't think that people are coming to church because they think that Matt and I are cool because Lord knows we're not. I believe that people are going to life transforming churches because they believe that life can be transformed. And I believe that people come to our church to be reminded of the power that we have through the spirit of God. And I believe that people are showing up to church, even in the midst of variants and Delta variants and COVID analysis and all this stuff that's going on. I believe that people are still showing up because they ache and miss for what what's experienced in Acts chapter two, fellowship, breaking of bread, praying over people. Now, if you are part of this podcast or you're part of our church, I believe that people aren't just listening to podcasts or watching things on YouTube or being part of a church because somebody's cool. I believe that people are looking at how God is moving through other people and in other people and over other people where we want to magnify a great God and people want to be part of that. I don't want to hide or deny that God is on the move. I don't want to be fearful or ashamed or care what people think about me. For a long time, I kept my spiritual gifts under wraps on the DL, low pro, because I was afraid of what people were going to think about me. But now I just want to be about highlighting a supernatural God that wants to move supernaturally in the lives of people here on earth. Because he said, the things that I have done, you will do these and greater you know what I love? Miracles aren't just for a show. It solidifies that God still is on the move to heal people. I can give you countless of stories, but one of my favorite and one of the most recent is having a woman serve at our church faithfully. And unbeknownst to me, she was struggling with infertility. One of the things that I loved is I wasn't the one who prayed for her. It was one of our core team members during a worship night that we call pursuit night where a word went forward and she felt like that word was for her and she wanted to go forward and get prayed over. One of our team members laid hands on her like we saw in Acts chapter two and Acts chapter four and all throughout the New Testament. We were able to celebrate not the fact that she just got pregnant, but I got to hold in my hands her beautiful baby girl. When the doctor said that she could not get pregnant, when eight years of infertility proved that she could not get pregnant, the power of God's people coming around, the power that we possess through his spirit and interceding and believing for a miracle, not just bolstered the family's faith, it changed our church's faith. I believe that God wants to do the same miracles in your life. I don't know what you need and I don't know what God's gonna do, but I have enough faith to stand with you and believe that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. As always, I'd love to close with prayer. God, I thank you for those that are listening. I thank you for those that are desperately seeking you and want to know you in deeper ways. I pray for a greater manifestation, a greater revelation of who you are in their life. And I pray that you touch them. I pray now, Lord, that you begin to crack open their hearts of doubt, of skepticism, of wonder, or even fear. And I pray that you replace it with your supernatural grace, your supernatural mercy, your supernatural understanding, and your supernatural wisdom. We love you, God. We thank you. We honor you with our lives and we want to see you move in mighty ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I'm so glad that you're here. I cannot wait for us to chat tomorrow.